afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your relationship coach, your guide on the side. Today, folks, we're talking about teens again. This is our second teen show of the year. There's something about teens this year. I don't know, getting you ready to be better parents. Today, though, we're talking about troubled teens. And I really, I think we got the idea of doing a show on troubled teens um, when two of our most troubled teens, Sky, uh, Sky Boy and Bryce Tobin, left the show. And then we, get, we got a bunch of new teens on the show. You're not teens. Okay, that was rude. Bad. Bad. We're not teens. You're not teens. But we're all troubled. But troubled you are. <laughs> and so how to deal with your troubled young adults. Yeah, is that what we call you? Sure. Are you all young adults? I can. What am yeah. I? If you're if you're a young adult, and be careful how you answer this. <laughs> Old adult. Elderly. There's no way around it. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's my Great. wife's birthday. Today, Ooh. happy birthday to the most perfect human on earth. Uh, I Today, for her birthday, I got a, uh, a massage. For yourself. Yep. Didn't take her. <laughs> anyway, I don't know how that happened. I didn't schedule it. Someone scheduled it for me and they scheduled it on my wife's birthday. So I got a massage and they brought me lunch. I'm a bad husband. Happy birthday to your wife. It's the best day ever for you. Yep. And guess how old <laughs> she is, by the way. Do you really want me to guess? 25. Oh, oh really? Again? S- sounds creepy. <laughs> I know. Because I'm. It's not a want want. <laughs> you. <laughs> But she's 25, and I'm older than that. I am, I'm actually younger than my wife by so, five months. So you're about my age. <laughs> no. Uh, I'm trying you, to – I yeah, can't no. keep up with your math. This I know. But so she's, she's really not 25. But you say that because yeah. you would get in trouble. If I told her real age, I'd be killed. Does she listen to the show? I doubt Are we going to get a phone call? Because no. I think we should let her talk. Well, I think it's her birthday. Well, it's it's kind of hit and miss because she um, she is always out and about, <laughs> picking up kids, you know, parole hearings, things like that. Well, you uh, take massages on her birthday, so I took a massage. <laughs> I would probably be busy a lot of the time too. But I figured, <laughs> and t- so tonight we'll take her out. We'll do something fun tonight. By the way, what do you do? What should I take my wife to do? What do we do? She's. I think surprises. Surprise her. Surprise yourself. Do something crazy. Uh, like, <laughs> like. Keep face. going. Keep going. Um, like, let's see what. Give would, me a surprise. What would be like uh, crazy? Like, make a fort in your living room and have candles in it. Okay, well, that could be dangerous. Uh, but. That's a fire hazard. <laughs> yeah. You know, a at fort? my age, a what fort. What would she do? Nah. Oh my gosh, that'd be fun. You yeah. got to do something crazy. How old? Oh wait, she, I can't say. Well, I'll just let you know. I'm 44. And you're younger than her. And I'm younger than her. <gasps> 45. <laughs> well, now we all want to know. Now you didn't it's a have game. To say it. Oh, I think so she's I 45. Okay. I think I'm 44. If I was born in 69. Don't do this to us. By the way, uh, I pull up behind a DHL truck today on the way here. DHL, the the delivery company. I guess they were founded in in 69. Ah. Is that when you were born? 69. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I was born in the 60s. Barely. 69. Come on. 69. <laughs> Can you and so that? DHL. But then I'm like, man, I thought DHL had been around forever. So have you, apparently. Yeah. And then I had this <laughs> thought point. <laughs> I'm getting old. And here's the, the full circle of today's show. Our guest later is John Perotti, who's a counselor that taught me seminary in high school. Wow. 
So for those that don't know, the, in the LDS Church, a lot of the kids, they take seminary, which is a, a religion class, and some just take it, you know, at some neighbor's house. But in Utah, we take it right next to the high school, and he was my high school, uh, he was my high school seminary teacher. And then he, I think he got out of that, and like, those kids drive me crazy, because they're troubled, they're tr- which is why we're talking about troubled teens, and then he became a counselor. That would be a hard job, I think. Yeah. You'd yeah, be, teaching kids. And, like, on a religious topic. Oh, yeah. You'd be like, good luck. Right. It's crazy out there. Parody <laughs> was a funny dude. So everyone wanted to be in his class because he made you laugh. Oh, that's good. But the problem is you'd, you'd have to make kids laugh every day. And I could probably do that for a while. And then I would just throw my shoe at him. <laughs> that sounds accurate. Do you remember when George Bush had that shoe thrown at him? That's what I'd be doing. I'd be throwing my shoes at kids. Every I'd have to bring, like, five pair of shoes. Okay, well. Ten throws. Here's the thing. <laughs> So in my in my segment later, we're going to talk about this, but I was looking for news and teens, just yeah. searching every which way. Yeah. Um, Reddit, people yeah. like Reddit. That is weird news. There was weird stuff on there. Well, you know, that's that's so, yeah, that's not like a traditional news source. Yeah. But for kids, I mean, but it, it is for the I yeah. mean, teens. So um, I don't know how you'd make them laugh because they think like picking your nose is funny. And- well- <laughs> <laughs> like, what do you do as a funny. seminary teacher to make <laughs> That's true. I don't know. Well, we're going to have to ask him because I think a lot of times we think our kids are troubled. When they're not troubled, they're just normal. Yeah, I would say that's what accurate. Yeah. We're not. I mean, we're just old people. Yeah. Well, but also we just forget some things yeah. about being a teenager. Like the fact that your body is changing. Yeah. And so it needs a lot more sleep than you'd normally. It, do- it also needs showers. Adult. Yes, both of those. See, I have I have children that they're too tired to shower. That's a problem. <laughs> it's a big problem. I I have to this morning I did it. I went in and I just snuggle up to my little cute 16-year-old. Wake him up gently with some music off of my iPhone. And no rub his shower? little head. I'm like, Where does the shower come in? Well, you know what? <laughs> what do you it? call it when you're late, when you're tardy for tardy school? Oh. So when you're tardy, <laughs> that's trouble. That's trouble. He has to go to tardy school it. because he's got tardies and you can't be tardy to tardy school. No, that that's pretty bad. You know what I mean, that's bad. So we're just trying to get him to go to tardy school or he'll have to make up a packet. I don't know how it works. But anyway, so he's like, I shower. I'm good. I don't need to shower because I showered yesterday. And I'm like, dude. No, it's not. Believe how it works. me, you how need to shower. He, is he dating? He's yet? 24. Oh, okay. What? Yeah, he's still in. T- he's he's still in high school. Yeah, no, he's 16. Okay. Cute as can be. Cute as a bug in the rug. And but talented. He's talented. He is super talented. I've seen his stuff. Just like his mother. Aw. Thank you. Happy birthday. She's not here. listening. She, she might be. She listens. She turns it on and off. It depends. If she doesn't like what I'm saying, she just turns it off. <laughs> Apparently a lot of people do that. Um, so we misunderstand our teens. Now, our own Merritt Meekham has been doing some serious research on teens. I think Very you, you called home. Always. Is that what you did? did I call- no, I didn't. That would probably be, like, too close. So I just have to, like, watch my little brother to learn everything. Yeah. And they're not teens. lazy. They're just tired. No, they're just tired. And I, I seriously, I've seen my little brother. He just, like, eats and sleeps. And he just goes no, through this rotation. And they just it's keep, like and they eat and eat and you know, eat. Yeah. One could easily say, what are you going to do with your life? All you do is sleep and eat, but they need it. So, <laughs> yeah. no, but also I think we just forget that, yeah, it's kind of scary to watch, but 
being a teenager, it's your time to take risk and learn where you fit in the world. Oh, see. I know. And that's nobody really wants thing. to let that happen. No. But no. it does. Well, because the risks to a parent, they seem huge. Oh, yeah, definitely. Here's a funny one. I like to wear dark colors, like, or just neutrals, really. Kind of like um, gray and black yeah. and white. What do they call? Um, what do they call the emo? Yeah, emo. Not, kind of no. emo. This is classic. I already knew where that was going. <laughs> just just no, a light emo. Yeah, I'm just like I'm. I'm like emo, emo light. Yeah, well, emo like, light spelled L I T E. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, but my mom was always really concerned about that, like, and really, so I, my thought process is, wow, my clothes are really easy to match. Black and black. Can, yeah. Black always goes with gray. Black mom. always goes, yeah. <laughs> but she was really concerned for a while. And yeah. she would tell me, like, you need more color in your wardrobe. Or, like, here, I bought you this bright pink something. I'm like, mm. pink goes with black. It doesn't go with me, though. Yeah. See, it's not you. <laughs> it clashes with me. Plus, no. it's not emo no. light. Yeah. Emo light. You're not emo. No, I mean, that isn't a huge risk, but yeah. that's something that my mom totally oh, no, misunderstood. Yeah. Well, you, our she kids will just sit around. So during that whole season, they'll just all sit around and they're not outside doing stuff. And my wife will be like, don't you guys want to go outside and like play or something? And like, we're fine. Yeah. <laughs> and that like, that's risky. Like, well, what if they just turn into couch potatoes? She's my wife's thinking, what if they turn into their father? <laughs> <laughs> they're going to be computer like savvy people. Yeah, not really. That's what no. everyone's saying. Yeah, but that's what you think. But see, what they're, what they're really going to be is a bunch of couch potato vegetable kids that just eat, you know, potato chips and watch YouTube clips. It'll be like Wally. Yeah, it will be like Wally. <laughs> They'll all be in like portable little rolling. It'll be about 400 pounds each. So that's the fear. That. So that's the fear coming in. Yeah. And only a parent can thoroughly enjoy that fear. Yes, it's true. Okay. Enjoy it and build it up. Because kids are risky. Here we go. Fear of parents. My dad. <laughs> Have you heard of Find My Friends? Yes. It sounds nice, right? It's not. And my dad is so mad because I keep deleting it. And I went home for Christmas and he added it to my he phone. Adds to, so so tell him what it is. Find My okay, Friends is right. an app where your parents can track you. Yeah. You can see where someone is all the time if yeah. they have internet. Which, if you have a smartphone, you have internet. Well, which I think is a great idea because if you were abducted oh by aliens, you're such a dad. We would no, but see, you're you're a very your your parents have spent a lot of money on you. You're a huge investment. What, am I supposed to return that investment? Yeah, <laughs> and until until they get rid of you in a week from this Saturday when you're married. By the way, they'll never turn that off because they always still want to know where you are. I know. It's it's a big deal. Yeah, well, it's not very fun for the kid. <laughs> well, because yeah, you know you're you know kids' got perspective. You. It's like, can I breathe a little bit? Well, okay. So there's the trust. Do they not trust me? I'm yeah. fine. I'm a no, good they do. kid. They trust you a little bit. And if something does happen, who else am I going to call? They're going to be the first call. I mean, the police, and then it's going to be well, my parents. Will okay. you pay for this? That's you know? assuming <laughs> you can make a call. Yeah. But if you've been abducted, <laughs> they're obviously... my friends wouldn't have internet connection in space. Well, right? Does it depends it? how would, far up they take like you. I feel like the aliens would be advanced enough in their technology to have an internet. Connection. I don't think so because if if they were that advanced, you'd think that would they, be they wouldn't. Yeah, internet? they're being recognized by people all over the Midwest. As, all over the Midwest, these guys are saying, "Yeah, I was abducted by aliens." Where yeah. are we going? And so, <laughs> if they were that advanced, you would think they'd figure out a way to not be. And they're leaving well, crop but, circles. But wait, 
how would how would Jessica's dad save her anyway if she were right. abducted by aliens? Like, I don't think he has the power to do that. And no. they're not going to well, go through the trouble of kidnapping me than killing me. They just want to ask me questions, right? Maybe yeah. they don't want to kidnap or kill you. Yeah, so I'm fine. <laughs> Maybe. I can take care of this by myself. <laughs> okay, see, again, this is because you're not parents. As a parent, A, you none of you know the special powers parents have. Oh, okay. I've heard this before. So we yeah. could, we actually, even though you don't think we could do anything to save you, we could. Because, you know, once we get mom's anxiety wrapped around this problem. Adrenaline pumps we're in. We're going to get some answers. And we, we could find you. Plus B, um, the Find Your Friends app. You notice there's not a Find Your Parents app? Well, there should be. Are they my, I think <laughs> yeah. they're my friends. Well, who would use it? Well, they're at their house all the time or work. They don't do anything fun. Or in front of the TV. <laughs> so when I'm in the middle of Utah Lake, my parents are going to be like, what? She's drowning. And I'm like, Part of that is maybe your parents want to live vicariously through your fun experiences. Maybe. That could be it. So they want to imagine as they just see that little green dot going all over Utah Lake, they want to imagine that they were with you <laughs> as yeah. a green dot. And then they'll call me later and be like, what were you doing in the middle of the lake? Yeah. And I'll be like, I was. Why did your beeper go off for a minute? Why did your, I lost your signal. Yeah. When you're going to ski, water ski somewhere, I need you to go where there's better signal. But is that okay? Is yes. it okay for them to do yes. that? If if you're 40 and they're 70, it's probably time to get rid of the app. Oh, 40 is oh, the limit. Okay. I've got 30. See, that's when you this. flip it over and then all of a sudden, see, like I would love to get that app for my mom. <laughs> She'd be at her house. It's kind of like, where's she... Waldo? But it's like, where's grandma? <laughs> Does she travel? Yeah, she's in San Francisco right now as we speak. Oh, I'm impressed. Yeah. My so gosh. are we. And my sisters <laughs> took her. So I have all of my sisters in San Francisco. It was weird because I never got invited. (laughs) They are all going to San Francisco. They all told me that. You have Uh, the app, don't you? You're living vicariously through them. Yeah, I'm not. not. (laughs) Ironically, I don't even care. But they just said – in fact, they warned me. I think it's because they didn't want me to feel bad. But if you try to get us this weekend, we won't be here because we are all going to San Francisco. And I'm – we? Well, yeah, just the girls. Just mom – and my three sisters. But one sister lives there. And again, you know, excluded. There's sad. some silence for you. <laughs> it's sad. Moment of silence for Matt. Everybody's left out sometimes. I don't even know what to say anymore. Maybe we ought to do a show on troubled parents. We yeah. Could. Troubled yeah. grandparents. I'll have to get into that. We start researching that. I will. I'll even write it down. Empty Look nesters. Down. That's my life story right now. Are your parents empty? I feel so bad. Nesters. My poor mom. Uh, true statistic: uh, marital or divorce rates go up sixteen percent when your child when you're empty nesting. Oh, first don't tell me that. Months. Yeah, that's so scary. I'd watch your parents closely. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are going on dates, right? Yeah, make sure that's <laughs> hold happening. hands now. <laughs> Troubled teens, folks. That's today's topic. Uh, it's a good topic, and we've got a great guest. Uh, John Prody's joining us a little bit later. But uh, you be thinking about your own life, your own kidlets. Do you have some teens that you're seriously worried about? You know, little cute little buns. What do we call them? Buns of steel. No. <laughs> cute little just buns out of the oven. Cute little babies that are, uh, I don't know, maybe a little troubled. You're starting to wonder. Are they going all goth on you? Are they going emo? By the way, is there a difference <laughs> between goth and emo? Who knows? We'll ask Merritt, the pro, when when we come back. We're going to come back also and talk, uh, give you some of the troubled teens in the news without depressing you too much. Maybe teenagers that are troubled are just teenagers. Maybe that's what's being normal. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We're talking troubled teens today right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. 
Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're talking troubled teens. And, you know, sometimes it's hard to tell. Are they troubled or are they just a teen? How do you tell? You know what? You just turn them over and you look for their expiration date. Uh, that's actually an interesting thing because I just had a lot of food recently that had apparently had expired. Didn't know. Sometimes you can't tell because we don't label our kids like that. We we label them, you know, parents. Ah, this is my, this is my math. This is the smart math student, and then this is the real creative one, and then this is the one that's really good with the girls, and this is, yeah. We shouldn't probably label our kids. Yeah, but you do. I thought do. about that the other day because my parents kind of did that too. Yeah, they were like. You're gonna be you're you're this kind of kid and yeah. you're this kind of kid and so we grew up that kind of kid. See, then you thought you're that kind of kid. So how much are you really that? By kid? the way, let's just do this for fun. What was your label? Did your parents give you a label? Yeah, I was the good student. Oh, there's a good student. Oh. And I was the perfect child. So oh yes, ah, that's, <laughs> that's I was like the performer because I'm the youngest. And I was the perfect. They called me attention. the golden boy. I was the golden boy, but I really wasn't. But I was the only boy, and my sisters were seriously jealous because my mom was exhausted by the time she got to me. Oh, that happened to me too. They they didn't have a lot of rules. That's for why me. it's great to have older brothers and sisters because you exhaust them. Yeah, they they exhaust your parents. James, what they call you? I was a performer too, actually. Really, they called you the performer. Yes. And maybe like the jester. They're like, oh, really? Do tricks. Did they, they used to clap and say, jump, jump, jump? <laughs> yeah, pretty <laughs> much. And I would have to jump or I'd be grounded. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's those abusive parents. If you don't jump, I'm going to make you jump. I'll give you something to jump for. Uh, we're talking troubled teens today, folks. And uh, Jessica Black, soon to be Jessica Littleville. Hmm. Little town. Little field. Little field. Little field. Point for me. Uh, I think I'm going to have a problem with that Doesn't for the rest of the show. It gives you a good picture in your head, doesn't it? A little filled. Well, I like it this way. If you say <laughs> like Jessica it. Black, little filled. Yeah, that gives a you a really good picture. Jessica except Black, not, little That's filled. not a pretty picture. No, not as much. <laughs> you know what? Uh, I Okay, little filled. I'll remember that. Little filled. I'll remember we'll that. We'll see. Let's <laughs> so, just test me at the so end. So I'm in broadcast, yes. and I was wondering if it was a good reporter name, yes. you know? Cause you can, it's like, not. You basically can choose your name in broadcast yeah. and... They they said either one is good. Do you Black want a better name? <laughs> sure, yeah. Jesse Jackson. <laughs> Jesse Jackson. Isn't that like on a Western, old Western? Or something? Oh, no. It's a civil rights leader. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, that marched with Martin Luther that's King. That's ringing a bell. And <laughs> it's just, I think, because Jessica, you know, it sounds like you're young. Jesse. Oh, yeah. Jesse Jackson. I have a nickname. It's an alliteration. I want to try and pull that in my career sometimes. What is it? What's your nickname? You haven't heard it? No. It's goo. Ew. Yeah, that. But goo? like, once you get to know me, it's not as weird. <laughs> that's no, what people tell I me. I actually know you, Jess, and that's weird. You don't want to. You don't want to be known as goo. Well, we're from Grantsville, and Ooh, everyone's really goo. tight. So, yeah. so I got that when I was little, and it's. There's been just goo. certain words you don't want to be your nickname. Scab. Goo is that's not like one. scab. No, it is. No, it's not. A scab is wet. Is dry goo. <laughs> okay. But like once you use it enough, once you say it enough, you forget what it. You forget the green goo you think of, and you think of my face. I wasn't even thinking green goo. <laughs> well, what do you I think? I don't want to know. You don't want to know. Okay. You don't. We'll make up other names for you on the show. That's one of my fortes. Oh really? I'll give you a whole new identity. By the time you're done, see everyone misses Skyboy. By the way, right in front of me, I have pictures of Skyboy. Cute little Sky. <laughs> Uh, Sky actually never did wear a cape. 
Well, we're Never coming did. clean. We're coming clean. I feel like I should have been prepared for this. You're crushing a lot of people's dreams. Yeah. Well, he's kind of looked like a superhero the way you described him. No, yeah, not never. Ca- he kinda, did wear people tights. Were excited about that. But he never had a cape. He did wear tights. He had tights, and then he actually just had a towel that was pinned. Where was I? <laughs> I think you were getting engaged. Oh, okay. <laughs> you missed stuff. <laughs> yeah. See, so those are the things you miss. <laughs> but you didn't miss much. But so by the time we're done, I'll I'll basically have you as a superhero. Mold me. But let's just go with Jesse Jackson. Jesse Jackson. <laughs> that may stick. I'm gonna go Google him and hopefully. Or, you don't need. I, I can't her? believe. I can't. It's a, it's a him, and he's you know he's a great guy. Is that and allowed? He ran for president. Can I have a guy? Ago. Oh yeah. Okay. Jesse well. Jackson. Jesse Jackson. You gotta say it like you mean it. Jesse Jackson. Yeah. We need. I'm gonna make a little bump for me every time I talk. <laughs> yeah. Just go check him out. Go check out Jesse Jackson, and then I just think I don't know. I think it's fitting. Because oh, you're okay. a leader, you're very eloquent. He Jesse Jackson rhymes a lot. He puts a lot of rhymes together, a lot of alliteration. Now you're just being nice. No, I'm, I, I swear. <laughs> just go look it up. He's and he really is. He's he's iconic. Everyone knows Jesse. So then you can just play off his name. And he's getting older. I don't know how old he is, but you can you know when he's no longer out in the public eye, you'll be the new Jesse Jackson. Okay. All right. I'll carry Jesse the Black new Jackson. Jesse Jackson. That Ooh. won't work. Jesse Ooh, Black Jackson won't work. So Black Jack- Jesse Little <laughs> Phil. Let Little John. Little Phil. John. Jackson. Little John. That sounds like the toilet. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, so do you you had some news yes, about I teens. have stuff we need to talk we, about. We got all day. So tell me this. Uh, do you have a teen story? Because apparently there's a lot of troubled teens. Yeah. Do you have one? Do you have a troubled teen that this just did something stupid? That's too not easy. like I don't want. I don't want any murder. Okay, that's half my list. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but there, I mean, really, you you do see more and more stories about these kids getting, you know, turning into murderers or doing something stupid, killing a relative. I mean, you're seeing more of those. Yeah. Well, we got. We need to understand one thing about the news is that it's looking for trouble. Sensational. Exactly. <laughs> We're looking for trouble, so it's easy to find trouble. Yeah. And I found lots of trouble. Did you? Yeah, but you know, like there was other things besides death, violence, and drug use. What? Which were my top three things. See, when I was growing up, we would just toilet paper someone's house. We'd throw toilet paper all over it. No, we don't do that. There's a lot of Facebook bullying. That's yeah, that's a big going problem. on. That's big. Yeah. And you told me that uh, really people, the kids are running away from Facebook. Yeah. Why? Because you're there. <laughs> no, not you specifically. <laughs> Matt but, sounds like Facebook. Like, are you, then, are you no, talking no, about me? <laughs> no, just parents. It's like the find my friends thing. We just are feeling claustrophobic. Parents are there. We're you, leaving. Do you think we're not smart enough to follow you to your next site? Twitter is kind of hashtag. Come oh, on. We went through that. Matt, I heard you say yes. We're using codes. Twitter Twitter's yeah. hard because it's just too complicated. And my texting thing yesterday, we're using codes so that you're not there. I know, but you don't think I can keep up? I don't I'm know. only 44 years old. You did get a lot of those questions right yesterday. That's true. But, I got two of them right. But you still lost. Well, to a young buck, <laughs> how old is Meg? That's the point. The young bucks running away from the parents. You, let me just tell you, you can't dodge your parents. We done borned you. I don't know if that's the right phrasing. But we've brought you to this earth. We can find you. That's You sound so much like Bill Cosby right now. I can't even stand it. I love Bill Cosby. <laughs> brought you in. I'll take you out. I can make right. another can one make that another looks one just looks like, like you. you. But I won't <laughs> because favorite. I'll just haunt you and I'll find you. And then slowly I'll just suck the life out of you. It's called parenting. <laughs> 
Troubled Teens is what we're talking about today. We are going to take a break. When we come back, John Perotti, uh, a counselor is going to be, not a marriage counselor, but a counselor is going to be talking to us about your troubled teen. Are they really troubled or not? What are the problems they're facing? This is the Matt Townsend Show, trying to get you in touch with your teens right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. To the Matt Townsend Show, Dr. Matt Townsend here with John Perotti of Blast from the Past, a friend, a teacher. He was my seminary teacher. He's also been a licensed counselor forever. Were you a counselor back then? Uh, You know, I feel like 35 years of my life has all led me to this moment, and I really feel like I have barely even made a change. You've barely change you yeah, well, made a change see, in life it's, it's to me it's all it's all about facilitating the healing of uh, a human soul yeah and so as far as i'm concerned i've been doing the same thing for yeah you've been a healer years. for years because you were you were a seminary teacher which is where i got to know you you were mm-hmm. by far the funniest and sometimes i guess i think the word that the the, the uh, experts used was least stable um, you know, everybody has their own crap they're dealing with. And by the way, can I just editorially say, when you have sign-off music that goes, oons, 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 yeah. it's time for an update. Yeah, I, I was listening Are to the sign-off music. Are you that hip? No, you it's actually know. Oons, oons, yeah, time for an update. No, come on. Okay, go ahead. Uh, John Perotti's an educator, a presenter, uh, and has done so for over 30 years. He's a licensed therapist. He's worked extensively with persons dealing with addiction. He's an advocate for the youth, for youth, and he's taught thousands, let's just say tens of thousands of students at the middle school, high school, and university levels. And I was really interested. I was listening to your show um, before I came on, and I was interested in you talking about troubled adults. Yeah. Why don't we have... Let's make that date. Don't you think? Oh, my goodness. Because really, it seems like it's the adults that may be the problem. Well... Because we're the ones raising them. We're the ones... I think there's, I choose, being a healthcare professional, I choose not to ever look at it in a way that places blame. Yeah, that's I true. Just, I just look for solutions. Yeah. And when you're, you're talking about troubled teens, first of all, um, to, to just illustrate a difference, a, a, a person isn't fully frontal lobe brain wired until roughly 25 or 26 years old. Yeah. So, and and part of what that means is that they don't, they can verbalize to you the consequences of what they, if I jump off the roof, I might get hurt, but it doesn't really strike It doesn't register. No, I I remember. um, Till they're 25. Roughly. We have them them in war before then. Mm -hmm. We have them legally drinking alcohol before Mm -hmm. then, voting. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And some are even getting married, a la Jesse Jackson right there. Hey, Jesse. Yeah. yeah. But, um, they're, but they're really not cognitively fully developed till about 25. No, and this is not a condescending statement. No, it's, it's just, just a statement reality. about human development. Right. Which know? is fascinating. Which, which, which illustri- is illustrated by, I think this example is pretty good. You get a guy on his Kawasaki 
and he's 37, and he comes up to a gorge that's roughly 10 feet across and 40 feet deep. And he stops at the precipice, and he says, okay, 37, a wife, three kids, and a mortgage. Not mm, doing not it. Not doing that one. 17-year-old kid goes up to the precipice, turns and looks at his buddies and go, goes, we are so building a ramp. <laughs> And, and the 17-year-old is no stupider, yeah. no less intelligent or perceptive. It's just that literally they're not brainwired yet. Maybe if really they had a mortgage, about, though, a mortgage and a wife and three kids. You know, and let's talk about drugs. Yeah. Okay? Because um, that's messing it up as well. The, the stereotypical addict is no longer a James Dean-looking guy with a T-shirt on, with his jeans yeah. rolled up. Leaning pack, against his Mustang. Pack of smokes in his sleeve, yeah. rolled up, and um, with a needle hanging out of his arm in an alley. Uh, I'll just tell you a story. I knew a BYU student. I was working in uh, a rehab facility, which shall remain nameless, um, and... I was walking around at dinner talking to some of the patients, and this kid says, man, I wish they uh, allowed more time for spirituality here. I thought, I'm not touching that one because we're, this is not a religious facility. But So I said, what does that mean to you? Well, I'm a Mormon, and so blah, 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 blah. So, okay, okay, great. Um, tell me how you ended up here. Now, this this will, I think, startle many of your listeners. Um, we've got to throw away the stereotype. Yeah. His, um, his response was, I was on full scholarship at BYU. I was ward clerk in my BYU ward. That's a church. So his, he had a church calling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Good standing in the university. He said, then I got in a car accident. I was in the back seat mm. and I got shoved or wedged under the front seat oh, from the boy. back seat. He said, I hurt my back and that hurt pretty bad, but I severed one of my smaller toes at the first knuckle. Oh. And he said, John, my back hurt, but I can't even begin to describe to you how that toe hurt. And it wasn't even there anymore. Mm. And I said, okay, well, go ahead. Well, then the doctor put me on Oxycontin. Painkiller. And, mm-hmm, and he said, the first time I took Oxycontin, I knew I was in trouble. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, so how'd you get here? Well, so pretty soon it was heroin. And I said, well, tell me about why. He said, because same effect, cheaper on the streets. Mm-hmm. And so here's a kid. He didn't want. No. He didn't seek this life out. He was put into a situation where he had a legitimate use for narcotic painkillers and he then, did not yeah. realize that he was one of those who was either genetically, biologically, or environmentally, or all three predisposed to suffer the brain injury that addicts actually suffer. Yeah. Some people can say, well, DUI, done. Yeah. Life yeah. experience will yeah. kind of send them away from it. Other people cannot. They suffer a brain injury, and it takes up to 18 months for that injury to heal. And we judge them all the same. So however they got there, we're like, well, if they just had self-control, yeah, they that, just that, dig down. Everybody's had some habit they had to break. Come on. The addiction, is, Matt, is literally where you're no longer in touch with your own volition. Mm. And to have that happen because you're some kid in the backseat of a car, your whole life's different. This kid didn't ask for it. And so I, I went into my work with addiction with uh, 
great, great compassion yeah. for people who struggle with it. It's literally a brain disease, Matt. Yeah. And the world at large does not get that. They think it's it, like a character issue. It's it's a character flaw. Yeah. It's a it's a it's a moral weakness. Blah blah blah. Well, if you just hadn't have ever touched the stuff in the first place, okay, mom, dad, the first choice that horse right. is already out of the. Well, barn. and the reason you touched it was because you were your doctor prescribed it because of your excruciating mm-hmm. pain. Right. And half the time you're already on it before you're leaving the hospital. Right. And let's go back to what I said about um, hypofrontality. Mm-hmm. The front, the brain. Right. Hypofrontality means under under functioning of the frontal lobe of the brain. Basically, I am hypofrontal until I'm 26 years old, roughly. And then depending on whether or not my brain chemistry is good after that, I might still be hypofrontal. So part of what that picture means is you're 16 and your friend goes, want to try this? Sure. It's literally, we call it the age of experimentation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not a bad kid who tries something. It's a normal yeah. kid. Being normal, doing what kids do that are normal. We, yeah, we need to normalize the fact that when you're not fully in charge of your brain development and you're not fully connected to your understanding of the impact of consequences, that's normal for a kid. Yeah. That's an important thing for parents to know that – because they're, all of a sudden you see all these things that scare you, like they're dressing weird. That's mm-hmm. weird. I mean, they're why aren't they wearing more bright, vibrant colors like Merritt talked about? Mm-hmm. Why are they wearing so much dark? Why are their friends so weird? Why do they have all those piercings and the just the, all of a sudden it's just so strange to us that we then probably end up treating them differently. We probably start reflecting on them that they're broken. Like, what's your deal? No, yeah, and it's really – and it's good that you bring that up because it's it's really a manifestation of what I call the universal human problem. And that is this less than thing hmm. that we all have going on. Yeah, I'm not as tall as so-and-so. I'm not as pretty as so-and-so. I'm not as smart as so-and-so. I'm not as – and the weird thing is that it's everybody struggles with yeah. it. Even it's that comparative thing, even is, the is that guy that's doing? walking down the hallway with three girls on each arm, yeah. when he's alone and looking in the mirror, thinks he's yeah. less than. Well, Johnny has four girls. Yeah, <laughs> it's interesting. So that's a natural human phenomenon. That's just something we go through. It's normal. It, it's complete. The age of experimentation. I, my wife and I, come home one day. And it had snowed recently, and my son had built this ramp of accumulated snow to get as far up to the gutter and our roof <laughs> as he could. Oh, sure. And he was on our roof with his skis on, and he was now preparing to ski jump off our roof. Well, yeah. And our bishop lived across the street, and bless his heart, was sitting there, go for it, Tom. Do it, Larry. Tom. You know, we're... Please, you, you can know. do it, Tommy. <laughs> and 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 the more I get settled into my middle age, the more I I relax about that kind of stuff. Do you? Yeah, I mean, it's hard because you still have that reaction, like ah. Being a grandfather, I now know everything I should have done as a parent. Do you? you, you so yes. that that's even even you're improving as yeah. you're getting older. Well. Well, this is a much longer discussion, which means you're going to want to have me back on some other For time. For sure. Um, and, um, but 
there's a message that kids have to get from their primary caregiver, which is typically mom. They have to get this message between birth and 15 months. And the message has to be transmitted affectively. So through... For your listeners. Yeah. Emotionally. Yeah. Because if I'm six months old and my mom says to me, oh, John, you're so important, you're so special. It's Charlie Brown's teacher. It doesn't mean anything to me. So the message has to be transmitted by emotion. So my daughter, both of my daughters are really good moms. My daughter's holding her little two-year-old in her arms after a tough day at work, talking to my wife on the phone about all the bad things that have happened to work. What's the only message my two-year-old grandson gets? Bad, bad, negative. It's not safe to be here with mommy, and I don't know why. Yeah. So part of it's just the world we live in, Matt, that we're, we're, we, we are, we live in an emotionally, emotionally disabled society. Yeah. John, if you're going to be angry, go to your room. What are you laughing at? Do not bring it into, oh, yeah. don't, don't cry. Yeah. I can't, I can't be sad. I, I can't laugh. I can't be angry. What is okay then? Right. No emotion is okay. So I stuff it. I stuff it and I stuff it. Yeah. When it does come out, it flies all over everybody. Yeah. It comes out ugly. Yeah, so it's a what, what societal thing. What is the message thing. then? So the message we need to bring the children by the age of, I guess, 15 months, you said, affectively. It's, it's, it's fourfold. Yeah. Number one, John or Jill, you are safe with me. You're absolutely safe. That's cool. Emotionally, spiritually, physically, everything. Two, John, Jill, um, I'll never abandon you. You're not always going to live at my house. You're going to grow up and have your own family, but I'll I'll always be here for you. Hmm. Number three of ge- our messages of gender affirmation. John, I'm glad you're a boy. Jill, I'm glad you're a girl. Even when I'm changing my grandchildren's diapers, I don't go, whoa, on a scale of one yeah. to ten, we're talking. I'm losing nose hair on this one. Yeah. I, I don't do that. And I say, good job. You just good job. They're... Gender. That's, the, that's what the our body gender. does yeah. with food that our body doesn't need anymore. Yay! <laughs> and I like make it a celebration when they have a dirty diaper. Oh wow! And so I'm literally telling them, "Look, it's okay to be a boy. It's okay to do that to a diaper. It's okay to be a girl." And then the last one is, "You are infinitesimally significant." That's huge. And and that is, yeah. I mean, if that's all they they can get out of their life is to know they're significant, they're safe, they're not going to be lost, lost or left or abandoned, mm-hmm. and it's okay to be what they are. It's okay to be what you are. It's huge. And that we're not human doings, we're human beings. Love it. I don't have to do be a good boy. Well, time out. I, I was already a good boy before yeah. you told me that. Yeah. yeah, you're not here to change and be. It's not about your, it's about you being just who you are. And being the best who you are, you can be. Right. That's and, cool. And that's the message that kids need to get. John Perotti. Unfortunately, we have trouble trans- transmitting it because we ourselves grew up in a world that's oh, yeah. emotionally disabled. So. Well, we had all the, And then let's come back and talk about this. Because if those, if those ideas aren't transferred, then developmentally the kid's going to have to move on if they can without safety. They're going to have to move on without these ideas, and mm-hmm. that's, gonna, that, that's what might be leading to the troubled teen. Mm-hmm. John Perotti's joining us. He's, a, he's an educator, a therapist, licensed therapist. He's, been a, he's a presenter. He's taught to billions of students at millions of middle schools, high schools, and universities. 
He's the man. We'll be right back. More John Perotti after this break. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. everybody to the Matt Townsend show. Uh, we today are talking about teenagers and sometimes we label them troubled. You know, sometimes they actually get into trouble and that's where they get that label, but maybe the labels aren't helping. Maybe it's better to just understand your teens. So we decided to bring in an expert that could walk us through the teens. He's, he's a teen whisperer. John Perotti's his name. Education's his game for 30 plus years. He's been a licensed therapist, a presenter, a teacher. He actually was one of my religious te- religion teachers, seminary teachers, we call it, uh, in the LDS Church when I was growing up. And um, so he has a lot to do with why I am so healthy and strong. Wow. John Perotti. It's kind of, you don't want to take credit for that. And that's kind of you to say, but. It's actually not. You yeah, don't want that later. I don't want it. You okay. don't, well, you don't want to be, you don't want to get any credit for my emotional stability. Because it could go at any time. You know, here's the deal. Here's the deal, Matt. We're talking about what we're calling, air quotes, troubled, troubled teens. Yeah. Just for the benefit of the listening audience, um, everybody is troubled. Yeah. Now, Trouble, let, yeah. Let, let troubled me give humans, a, right? Let, let me broaden my definition here, okay? Each day as part of the human condition, there are three dysphoric emotions we all experience. Cool. Now, euphoria. Happy, positive. Really happy. Yum, yeah. Yum. Dysphoric. Blah. Negative emotion. The three emotions are sadness, fear, and anger. Now, that doesn't mean we couldn't go a day or two without experiencing one of those. Mm-hmm. But they're just part of life, and they, they, were, they were programmed into our DNA, in fact, uh, evolutionarily speaking. I mean, it protects us. These have to protect us somehow, don't they? Yes. And when I say evolution, I obviously, a few hairs are standing up on the back of people's <laughs> heads. Yeah. I don't mean that man came from an ape. Yeah. What I mean is, let's, let's take the first early humans— who literally had to sit there and wonder, what is that running toward me? Okay, it's a rhinoceros. (laughs) So what if I had no fear? Yeah. What if that was not... You'd be dead. Right. So it's actually these emotions serve useful functions. Sadness serves to allow me to experience loss and move past it. It gives you something to emote through. Right. So I can experience this loss and then ultimately I can move away from it to bed. And then anger is what if something's being violated? What if my boundaries are being violated? What if somebody's busting a move on my family? Mm -hmm. What if. So all of those emotions are literally programmed into our DNA. And yet being human, we would expel them completely from our lives. Well, because those aren't good. Those are the bad. Right. Those are the we we just right. want the and good. So what what we think we're entitled to yeah. some life of emotional bliss yeah. all the That's time. The, but that would be devolving or whatever. That would be us losing uh, this advantage we've learned. Right. So I want anxiety. Ang- complete lack of complete lack of anxiety is called being dead. 
Yeah. Well, it's interesting, so, but that's what we drug them for. Well, we, we drug them up so they show no emotion. Right. But I want anxiety. It's the only thing that gets me up in the morning. Right. It's the only thing that says you're going to be late for match. You got to go you kill the. Go, yeah. You got to you know, yeah, get out there. You got you got patience this morning. You better. I want fear. I want anger. But I, if they're too chronic or too severe, that's when they become conditions that I'd want uh-huh. to seek therapy for. Which kids would need. And by the way, they, they don't just naturally. I mean, they also need guidance, right? We need to learn to guide this. And some kid might come out with a little more anger, more quick to anger, more jump to anger. But it doesn't mean they can't learn and right. improve it. And sometimes there's some neurobiological disposition toward it as yeah. well. And then sometimes there's chemical. There would, there would be a, pharma, a pharmacological intervention that might be necessary for some people. Yeah. So, so that's what it, we're calling. Like, so, uh, when you say everyone's troubled, you're saying we all experience the troubled dysphoric emotions every day, and that's normal. The trick is to learn that I can be happy, even experiencing periodically those dysphoric emotions. Yeah, that the happiness is not. See, Alma forty one ten. Wickedness never was happiness. The problem is, if A equals B, B does not always equal A. Right. Meaning, so that must mean that all I have to do to be happy is not violate my moral compass. Okay, hold it. No. Right, right. It's not enough. But we do that. I'm, I'm constantly seeing 30-somethings. I'm reading my scriptures. I'm praying. I'm a good wife. I'm I, a good mother. I'm doing everything. Why am I not happy? That's right. Because there's more to being happy than yeah. not violating your moral compass. It, it, that is so – that is the lesson of life, right? I mean – because we all, we've got the, li- I'm living the commandments, and yet I'm still not feeling happiness. And some of the, again, like you talked about earlier, there's five different sources probably of that potential emotion or feeling. Your body, your chemistry, your upbringing, your, ent- your ex- expectation, your thinking. There's so many things that could be causing it that aren't even spiritual. Absolutely. They're just temporal. They're physical. Right. So as a parent, I guess our job is to help, our job is to help our children recognize the feelings are normal, I guess, and we need to use them as a sign to either move, to jump, to change, to grow, to learn. The first thing is you want to be instructed by that emotion. What is this anxiety trying to tell me? Mm. It's trying to tell you, get up. The rhinoceros is running at you, John. You know, what is this fear trying to tell me? It's trying to tell me that if I don't get a job here pretty soon, I'm going to have to run, run out of money to pay for my tuition next semester. Yeah. So first, be instructed by the emotion. Second, know when it is becoming a, a chronic enough matter that you do need to seek a professional. How do you know that? Because, and we might have to address this after, but I mean, what, I've just seen too many people that are so quick to medicate a kid when just because they're a little down. Well, and I'm not talking about medicating. I'm yeah. talking about no, but, seeing so a professional. I, yeah. So that's the beginning of it. So, so how do yeah. we know when we need to jump? If the emotions are chronic and or, in other words, if they last too long. I mean, everybody has a bad day or yeah. two now or then. But if this becomes more of an ongoing thing and or it becomes more intense than it should. Okay. Like this isn't just fear that I'm going to be late to something. This is fear like nine one one kind of yeah. 
Like okay, major so if intense. it's too ongoing or too intense. So kind of too deep, too long, or too long. Or if they use the word suicide. Oh, my goodness. Or kill or death. Yeah, no, yeah. Because, see, uh, that's an interesting one. And, but I, I can't tell you how many times I've had people say that, and I think, and their parents are like, ah, he always says that. And I'm like, that's a sign. You always treat that as if they're completely 100% in earnest about yeah, it. Yeah, And um, the other thing I was going to say, which I, I always forget halfway in the middle of, because I have AD, well, no, I have A to the fifth, D to the seventh, <laughs> H to the fourth, D to the fifth, the whole thing to the 15th. Wow. Is that I'm what the re- problem is? I'm really ADHD. Can you write it down and remember it if we come back to you? No. Because we're going to take a break. Okay, yes, I can. But um, and that we, I want we'll, we'll get to it because there's some other things I want you to bring out. Because so, you've had a so, really important life event. But I'm also going to carry you over and maybe do another segment with you. You just want to squeeze another segment out of I'm going to squeeze another the one out. The price is right, isn't it? Yep. This is the yeah. best free <laughs> guest we've ever had. We're talking with John Perotti. Uh, he's the teen whisperer. He's walking us through our teenagers, helping us understand what's going on. Are they troubled or are they just more like your in-laws? That's what we're trying to figure out on the show. Helping you with your kids. This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your guide on the side, doing what we can on this program to give you some tools, some solutions to deal with your teenagers, not deal with them. We want you to magnify it, love it, get involved, understand them. So on today's show, instead of just labeling and throwing a label out there that they're troubled, we're talking with John Perotti, uh, who's an educator, a presenter, a licensed therapist who's worked extensively with people dealing with addiction, um, also an advocate for youth, and has taught thousands of students in middle school and high school at university as well. He has a master's degree in education and a master's, uh, another master's in mental health counseling. He's the man, and uh, he's trying to help us through this maze. We quickly throw out these these stereotypes and so, you know, if, if some child has anxiety, for example, and we have to take them to a counselor, sometimes we stigmatize them, right? And we, and we make them feel like they're broken, they're messed up, they're crazy. Yeah, yeah that's unfortunate, too. And it, but it's really more general than we might think. Um, as an example, I'll just uh, use an analogy. If I get a cold, do I go see my doctor? I know that in seven to 10 days, no matter what I do, it's going to go away. Yeah. yeah. If I break my leg, do I wait seven to 10 days to see if it heals before Uh, I go see? see. I mean, it's just a little crooked. Okay. Well, let's go to mental, emotional, and relational wellness. Yeah. Why is it a shame? When something lasts longer than seven to ten days, why is it a shame for me to present at a yeah. mental health professional's office and say, I'm really not happy and I really don't understand why. I'm really nervous. I'm nervous all the time. I'm This dialogue I've got going in my head doesn't seem to be healthy to me, but I don't know how to change it. Yeah. 
um, we we need to treat our mental and emotional and relational well-being more like we treat our physical bodies. But see, it goes back to we used to also burn these people at the stake because we thought they were possessed. Right. We and, used to drill holes in their heads so that yeah, demonic remember? possession right. would end. That just it's it's. I guess we're still trailing on the ignorance trail. I mean, we still don't yes. have enough information that this isn't all just a choice and it's not just demons. Right. Yes, we need to get into the 21st century yeah. as far as mental health goes. and Even and, the industry, um, though, even when you go – I had a client that was not well and was talking about ending his life. Mm-hmm. And I, I basically told him to go immediately to the emergency room. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I wanted a call from his wife when they got there. Right. And he got to the emergency room. And I said, really, he's been struggling with anxiety and depression for years and has never dealt with it because of the stigma. Right. He got there, nah, yeah, you've got some stuff going on. What I'm going to do, and they gave him sleeping pills, which, by the way, is a method of killing yourself, and then sent him home and set up an appointment for him to come see a psychiatrist in three weeks. And I thought, this is another reason why, I mean, of all moments, I'm not going to send him always to the hospital, but when I send one to the hospital... I need us to take it serious. Yeah. Well, in this state, and uh, everyone would have to check this out according to the laws of the state in which you reside, but in this state, I'm speaking of Utah now, if you can get two persons to certify before a law enforcement official that you heard them say something on the order of, I I wish I were dead or I'm going to hurt myself, whatever. You can get one. California is called a 5150. It's a mandatory 72-hour hold. That's kind of what you were hoping uh-huh. That's for. That's what I was is, hoping. Is just to get him in there and mm-hmm. stabilize him. But even then, when they take a patient in uh, on a mandatory hold, um, our system is such that all they do is, is yeah. stabilize him, and then they have to let him go. Yeah. You know? So it's kind of a gap in the healthcare system. What about in between there? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so as parents – if I guess even if even if they were just using the threat of killing themselves as a way to manipulate, this is still a good thing. Take that's, them to the hospital, yeah. and that won't probably happen as a manipulative tool anymore. That's not healthy behavior. Yeah. So it needs to change. So you're so no matter what, though, when we're talking about our kids, it's I guess it's understanding emotions are normal. They're they're going to have them. They're not always going to be just happy. The negative emotions serve a purpose. They're valuable. Mm-hmm. They're hallmarks we should look for. If they go on too long or too deep, like too dramatically overpowering, mm-hmm. then we probably ought to have some form of intervention. Right. Meaning at the most casual level, have them see a therapist. And I've, I've got to say about, about this that not all therapists are created equal. It's so true. To okay. me, it's kind of it's, – there's a, there's a lot of science to it, but it's also an art. It's like a healer's art, and some people can do – some are really good art, artists, and some not so good. So you, you really have to – you have to kind of know. Well, let me, give you a, let me give you a statistic, and let me start out by saying that 67% of all statistical citations are made up on the spot. Like that one? Like that one. Or the one you're yes. about to do. Okay, cool. Right. Um, let me say that roughly 70% of the predictor of a successful therapeutic outcome is the relationship. Hmm. It's do I feel safe in this guy or this gal's office? That's cool. Do I feel like he or she hears me? 
do I feel like they're honestly invested with in me and they're yeah. not just grabbing my insurance money or my money? Right. Do I feel like you always want to feel like they're competent? Yeah. But even more than that, you need to feel like no, I, I can remember a guy that I knew of that would sit there with this little book, take a notes, a therapist and look up about every 15 minutes to make sure his client was still there and then go back to, I mean, do you feel, where's that relationship? Yeah. And I just, which is probably why you're so good at that because relating, but see that in a way might tell us the key to healing is, are the relationships, the connection of somebody that knows how to connect with you and has the art of knowing, you know, where we need to go with this talk. So much of, so much of, uh, Maladapted emotional states and mental states come from a lack of human warmth. And what right. I mean by that is relational warmth. Every person needs human warmth, meaning a relationship that is meaningful to them yeah. and that provides them with safety and health, etc. We all need that. Hmm. I think the biblical statement, it's not good that man should be alone. I think it has way more to do than just with getting married. It's not about, yeah. I think it's about we need other people. We need connection. We need to know and validation and feedback. Right. That's huge. Right. Anything else we should be doing as parents? And then I'm going to – we're going to take a break. And I want you to come back and tell us the story of all stories. Um, Just – just one thing I you know the only ex, the only expertise I have on parenthood is I've been one for quite a few years and um, and now a grandparent but I would say if you if you're feeling like oh I really need to I really need to get close we really need to be able to talk that's not the way to approach it because you gain emotional and relational equity with a kid when you're with them on their terms, yeah. not trying to extract information from them. Yeah. When you have an agenda. Yeah. They know kids are not stupid. They're uh-huh. intuitive. That's and huge. they know dad doesn't have any time for me when I'm playing sports. But boy, when he wants to know if I'm doing drugs, he's all over it. Like, you know. Yeah. Which is maybe one reason why they resist. Like, why would I now give you that? You didn't care a month ago. But now I may have embarrassed you because you had to pick me up at the pokey. And it's also called individuation, the Mm -hmm. concept of individuation. And that's a much longer discussion for another day. But what we call the terrible twos are uh, John figuring out for the first time he's a person. So he can say, mine, no, mine. Share your stuff, John. Don't be selfish. (laughs) He has no idea what selfish means. He just figured out there's a him. Isn't that funny? And we've labeled this natural developmental state of them starting to identify their different. Oh, that's the terrible stage. And 17 year old guy who doesn't want to do anything his dad tells him that's bad. Yeah. No, he's learning how to think for himself. He's troubled. It's not necessarily rebellion. Isn't that? It's our labels. Huh? And then our labels, I guess they make us feel comfortable like, oh, OK. Oh, yeah. He's just going through the stage. Maybe you could just still call it a, a healthier name. He's. He's growing. Oh, he's in his individuation stage. He's still individuating, and so you're going to knock heads. Even with the best kid in the world, you're going to have conflict. John Perotti's joining us. We're going to take a break, come back. And uh, John was scheduled to be on the show, what, two months ago? I was going to say when I got here. I'd have been here sooner, but I got here now. Yeah. 
You actually also had a heart attack last time you were supposed to be on the show, before the show. Not, you weren't here, but you were. And I asked him where he had his heart attack, and he pointed to his chest region. Well, you had to be there. Well, so that also means that, you know, we know that you're talking truth because you knew where your heart attack was. We'll be back. John Prody's going to talk about lessons learned uh, from basically dying five times. This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're talking about your teenagers. Uh, sometimes you feel like they're troubled, air quotes. Is, uh, we're trying to blow up the idea that maybe trouble is just not what we ought to be saying. They're just normal teens, probably, suffering traditional normal trials. And our guest today has been John Perotti. Um, he's an educator, a licensed therapist. He's worked extensively with persons dealing with addiction. He's an advocate for youth. He's taught thousands of students, including me, when I was a young buck. And uh, here's the deal, though. We asked you to be on the show about a month and a half ago. In October. Was it October? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm all excited. John Perotti's coming. Can hardly wait. I was, too. Next thing, you were apparently overly excited. That was it. And next thing my we know. My people will get with your people. Uh, my people call your people, <laughs> and they're telling us you've just had a massive heart attack. Uh, it's actually the heart attack I had is called a widow maker because there's only two, um, blood pathways that if you have a heart attack in one of these two pathways, it's called a widow maker because number one, you get no warning. Boom. Um, like I, the couple weeks before that I was in seeing the doctor, well, your cardiovascular system is really healthy, blah, 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 blah. Really? So you get no, you get no symptomology. And, um, number two, it's so severe. My left anterior descending coronary artery artery was 100% occluded. Blocked. Yeah. And interestingly enough, um, they got me on what's called a grab-and-go. Grab-and-go yeah. is basically, we don't have the t- time to stabilize him in his home. He'll die. Just throw him in the ambulance they as fast as you can. They got me on some sheets, threw me in there. I can remember walking down the hallway. They were walking me down the hospital. And on a gurney, it's interesting. You know, they say there's no atheists in foxholes. <laughs> yeah. There's not a lot of atheists on gurneys either. And I remember leaning to a person next to me and saying, I've got a wife three children and five grandchildren who need me don't let me die Mm. you went to your kids your family yeah that's huge um jackie robinson said a a life is of no value except to the degree it touches other lives yeah and so yeah i i died five times five times so they shocked you they electrocuted They're called you. cardioversions, yeah. and they typically give you a, a, a drug such as Versed, which is an, a drug with amnestic qualities. It makes you – you're there, and you're able to cooperate yeah. with them, but you don't remember anything yeah. later. Well, for some reason, they didn't give me enough because <laughs> three of these cardioversions I remember. And well, they folks, don't know how thick you your head is. Yeah, you don't want to yeah. have these – you don't want to have this. You experience. remember being shocked. I remember three out of the ten cardio versions. Then you went in, and how many? What was the? You had a bypass surgery? No, actually, I had a surgery for stent implantation. Oh, neat. Let Great. me tell you the story. It's kind of interesting. 
Um, we were at a local hospital, and when it was all over, the the hospital administrator came down to visit my wife, and he said, Mrs. Prote, I need to tell you something. What's that? Um, we don't actually keep statistics on this, but I've been here long enough to know that what we did to your husband, that is grab and go at the house, yeah. transport, thrombectomy, which is taking out the clot that's uh-huh. closing my heart off, and then the stent. stent implantation, then CICU. We've never done it in less than two hours. He said, do you know how long it took your husband? She said, no. He said 57 minutes. Oh, my heavens. And the guy they got to to do the thrombectomy was interesting. He was a he's a cardiac radiologist, man. Yeah, no, so that's he's what my not even a, he's not even a surgeon. Yeah. He's a he's an interventional radiologist. And they said to this guy, "Dude, you're it. If you don't do this, this guy dies right here." And he he was a middle aged gentleman, and he said, "You know, I've I in medical school. I'm sorry, I chose not to do that yeah, anymore. I didn't want to do this because the last guy I did it to, I nicked I nicked him, and he died. Yeah, and I just made that a choice." And the nurse told us later that his hands were shaking until he took the instrumentation, then his hands became statue still. Oh, neat. And not only that, he was he, they cut you in the yeah. groin, they go up through an artery there. He was taking out this thrombosis. And I had already code. I was three and a half minutes into code. I was oh. dead for three and a half minutes. So he was doing all this where they were, they were still electrocuting me. And he brought the whole thrombosis out in one fell swoop. That doesn't usually yeah. happen. Yeah, it breaks apart. And- it breaks apart. And when you sit and you look at all this, I mean, somebody. You're wanted, supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be here. Well, that's your mission. You've and, got to touch um, more lives. You've got to work with more kids. I, I love what I get to do. I love what I get to do. You, you, can, you can tell. I used to say when I was a classroom teacher, you know, sincerity is the key. And when you can fake that, you've got it made. (laughs) Except no. Not true. Because those kids are not stupid. They They can read it. They know when somebody's grabbing a paycheck. That's right. And so I used to take some time once in a while in a class to just say, hey, guys, before we start today, could I just tell you how glad I am that I get to be your teacher? I remember you doing that. It it can't be scripted. It has to be spontaneous. But I would just say, guys, here's the deal. I mean, if I know your education is mandatory until a certain age, but if you weren't here, guess what? I wouldn't get to do this, and I love doing this. And then you'd always sit in quiet. You still do it on the radio too. You just you would then you'd say it, and then you kind of just sit. A lot of people have to fill it in quickly. Blah 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 blah. Sometimes silence is a better teacher than me. It is because it allows it to sink in, huh? Yeah, and I I just if if you do something you love. Your patients, your students, your clients, they can tell. So it was a guy that nearly died, actually did die five times. What uh, what do the parents need to know if they're out there wondering, oh, am I going to lose this child? He's crazy. Well, what I would say, and, you know, um, this is one person's opinion, but I would say, the most important person in your life has to be you. And I don't mean selfishness. I mean self-care. 
If I don't take care of myself, I'm not good to anyone that cares about me. Second most important relationship I have is with my my wife, my husband, my partner, whoever yeah. that is. Then come the children. But when you're with that kid, be there. Yeah. Uh, be present. Um, mindfulness. Study up on that. It's There's two lives that I'm living all the time. Um, there's the one I'm living physically, and then there's the other one I'm creating in my head right now. Yeah. Um, that often tends to ruin the life I'm living physically because it takes me away from it, and it's negative usually. Yeah, and that one can create the anxiety. Too. That creates a lot mm-hmm. of stress on you. You have a lot of assumptions, expectations. Mm-hmm. Have you ever noticed the anticipation of fun is often more fun than the fun? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You can't – you're geeked about going to Disneyland. Uh You get down there. You're screaming the whole time you go down I-15. You get there and you're in line and it's hot and it's (laughs) August and you're saying, I said a hamburger. Could you not even remember what I wanted for lunch? Man, it's hot. Why didn't you get us a fast pass for that? We do that. We ruin – I have a daughter who's – who thinks that every problem in life can be solved by a line of dialogue from the movie Wayne's World. <laughs> so I presented this problem to her once, and I said, what's the line? Yeah. What would Wayne say? Garth Algar. Live in the now, man. <laughs> so you can learn that from Deepak Chopra, or you can learn it from Garth. You can learn it from Christ, or you can learn it from Garth. Be present. Be present. Be present, my goodness. And it's a skill that you can develop. It's not just some esoteric, weirdly abstract concept. Well, the emotions are in the now. The relationships are in the now. We can worry about the future. We can feel guilt about the past. Or we can just get up and go be present in the now. Amen to that one. You're good. That's why you're in charge of this thing we're doing Well, that's why I didn't have a heart attack. Okay, make me feel bad while you're at it. Jeez. It was my fault. I was slamming cupcakes like they were air. <laughs> Last I, time I was in the hospital, I had a IV in me. It was entire, entirely Hershey's chocolate. Was it, was it just a bunch of Don't like, try this at home. I'm Did a trained Crisco professional. out of you? Yeah. Well, but I was worried. I thought, what? I get John Perotti on my show, and then he often has a heart attack? How dare I? I thought it was selfish myself. It was personal. <laughs> You look good, though. Thank you. You do. I'm, I'm glad you were on the show. And it's an honor. Well, it's an honor because you were you were a great you were a great example. You got to know that. I thought because I didn't think you could like merge like spirituality and humor. And for me, humor always worked better. But you were able to show and create the space where you could show we could be funny and have fun and be real, and we can feel the spirit. Do you feel the spirit right now? I remember learning the spirit from you hmm. in one of the classes. Oh, that you've honored me by saying that, man. That so, you. so just know, even if you had kicked the bucket, which you did five which, times. Which, and by the way, folks, I've been there. There's no bucket to kick. Oh. I can state that authoritatively now that I've been there. <laughs> didn't see a bucket. Well, maybe, yeah, maybe they, maybe you didn't earn a bucket. Oh, great. Think about that. New reason to be anxious. Think about that. Okay, John Perotti, we're having you back. Will you come back if we invite you? Most assuredly, I'd be honored. I think we're going to do it this time. We're just going to call you because I don't want to have the heart attack thing again. No, I want to be here. This is fun. We'll do it. 
John Perotti, uh, is there anywhere they can get a hold of you? How do they get a hold of you? Any easy way to do that? I have a presence on Psychology Today. If you just go to Psychology Today, put my name in. John Perotti, P-E-R-O-T-T-I. Right. Perotti, you're the best. We're going to take a break. We're coming back. Uh, we'll keep talking about uh, teens, how we can maybe blend the generation gap and quit blaming our kids for just being messed up. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Thanks for joining. We'll be right back right here on BYU Radio. Townsend show love John Perotti really I mean four or five times he had to be shocked he was gone out for three and a half minutes what do you think you would be uh, missing what do you think you'd be worried about Uh, what would you want to do better if you went through that same situation with your children (sighs) any regrets any problems so um, just be thinking about that. That's a challenge for you. Now, our own uh, Merritt, our executive producer of the show, has put together a little bit of a uh, generation gap. So what's your, what's your question here? Your so, po- you, have a, you have a thesis. Uh, my thesis is that a lot of the times we think, you know, those pesky kids, those yeah. teenagers. But Rascally. Some of it could just be a generational difference. And you can't blame people for the world they grew up in. Right. Like... People used to hate the Beatles. Yeah, exactly. Because they, they were those that, yeah, crazy. I know. And now everybody, if you sing Hey yeah, Jude, yeah. you know. Get out of my way. Anyone in the world would join it. That's right. So, but here's the thing. So, there is this Apple commercial out over Christmas that I thought was kind of thought-provoking. Yes. It was, of, it was showing this family spending time together over Christmas. Okay. And the teenage boy in the family always seems to be off on his phone. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting. You start watching this Apple commercial about iPhones. You're like, well, I don't want anybody to have an iPhone if they're not right. joining into the family, yeah, right? They're just, yeah, they're ostracized. Yeah, so they're off messing around with their phone. And then at the end of the commercial, they show this family coming together and they're opening presents and stuff. And then the teenager goes up to the TV and connects his phone to it. And apparently this whole time he was making this family documentary. Holy cow. So he was filming them using his phone and he made like this documentary. So he's not just a waste it. of space kid. No, he was. But I think that That's just huge. goes to show the generational yeah. difference. See – you could easily look and see, oh, that kid's using his phone. And it's something that's foreign to a lot of parents. Oh, yeah. And they wouldn't probably know how to do that anyway. No. Like, get a mitt. Do you not have a mitt? Yeah. Go play catch. <laughs> Go play, yeah. yeah. But instead, he was doing this awesome artistic thing that shows Isn't how much that... he appreciates his family. So I love that. And that's not something that you can really avoid, I don't think. Right. And that's not something that's the kid's fault either. No. Because he grew up in a world that was absolutely inundated with yeah. technology. And he's and he's ideally situated for his future. Exactly. Yeah, because that's what's going to get my, him ahead. It's so funny. My son just um, we spent some of the break, the Christmas break, with my son having to do check out this assignment, and my wife kept bringing it up because he hadn't done it yet. <laughs> but she's like, "You haven't done your assignment on transcendence." Wow, that's heavy for a, a sixteen-year-old. Majorly yeah. heavy. Uh, paradigm 
of transcendence. Emerson Thoreau, he had to quote. Um, who else? Anyway. Alcott. Alcott. Louisa May Alcott's dad. Preston. Bronson. Bronson Alcott. See, so you know. And he um, – anyway, I'm like, what's the assignment on transcendence? And he's like, I'm supposed to make a commercial on transcendence. I'm like, a commercial? A commercial. We never made commercials. Actually, in <laughs> high school we did. But um, just but they were more just for assemblies and stuff. But all of a sudden he makes the most incredible on his, on his Mac. Yeah. On his MacBook and makes the most incredible um, – commercial I've ever seen and perfectly captures the concept of transcendence in a multimedia presentation. See, yeah, it's and amazing. He knows how to play catch and he loves to play basketball and he loves to play video games and he loves music, but I'm sitting here thinking, okay, so when I was 16, cuz I'm so much more superior to my son cuz I have a doctorate. <laughs> but I'm sitting here thinking, um, what would I have turned in? I guess a report, a report from my Encyclopedia Britannica or whatever it was called. <laughs> that was severely outdated. Outdated by 30, 40 years. And I would have pretty much copied most of it. Not, I mean, you can't copy it. So you'd have to rewrite and copy <laughs> it. But, and we're worried about them. Like, if they saw what you were doing when you were a teenager, yeah. they would have said, you are a waste of space. I know. It's interesting. I was reading um, this great article in The New Yorker, I believe, about how all of the generations right now in the workforce are unhappy. It's the first time that three generations have worked together. So you have baby boomers, you yeah. have Gen X, and you have millennials. millennials yeah. And they're all coming together, <laughs> and nobody knows how to handle it. Well, yeah. And so – the baby boomers are upset because they're they're doing the traditional oh, form that's of work. The way we do and, things yeah. here. and then the millennials are upset because they want to innovate and there is a huge emphasis from millennials on this benefit from work where they can develop themselves personally. Yeah. And where they have lots of opportunities. And they're not as devoted to work as past right. generations. They'd rather spend more time with family. Well, they've also seen the debt. They've seen the bankruptcies. They've seen yeah. all of the pain. And they just know that mm -hmm. that's not everything. Yeah. And then Gen X is sitting there in the middle just feeling completely drowned by the whole oh, yeah. thing. And well, a lot we have of the to pay times, for both of them. Yeah. And a lot of times they're the bosses <laughs> yeah. that are trying to yeah. bridge this huge gap. So and true. so it seems interesting to me. I was reading this and I was wondering why not we just bridge the gap? Why – like – not bridge the gap necessarily. There's yeah. always going to be the gap. There but is. find the good in each generation and just let them work that way. And let them have a generation. That's kind of what I think John Perotti was getting into that – I mean in the end it's always individual, right? So it's um, – there's a great quote by Tip O'Neill that says, all politics are personal. Mm -hmm. So I believe – so maybe all – you know, change in helping your teens is person. It's on a personal level. So either you have access personally with them. Yeah. You can either get into their heart or you can't. Yeah. You can call it a generation gap. You can be mad. You can just call them troubled or whatever. Mm -hmm. But if you can't get in, you won't know if they really are troubled or if they're just being a millennial. Yeah. And so I thought of something interesting when I was reading these articles that you just need to learn to love people on different levels. It's not necessarily yeah. what you have in common. And um, I was reading another great article on psychology today talking about this, where um, using the example of a son who had gone to a liberal arts school and decided that he was very liberal, 
in yeah. his political leanings. <laughs> and that really upset. He's was, very oh, traditional. Yeah, he was a hippie. Yeah. <laughs> his very That's traditional conservative father. Yeah. And that totally bothered them and it caused problems but i mean they had led different lives and that's what it ended up being but eventually they just realized you know what they both had a love of politics and that was something they had in common and they both liked debate and that was something they had in common and so they were able to turn this huge problem where they were just fighting Uh against each other into something where they learned to love each other but it was on a different level it wasn't necessarily their hobbies or and it was, specific, and they just accepted you know, them. They they yeah. loved them and accepted them as that. Did you see? I guess uh, Mary Matlin, who's a Republican conservative kind of um, pundit, and James Carville, who is a liberal pundit, they're married. Mm-hmm. And so when you're sitting there thinking, talking, they wrote a new book about how to get through that. In fact, we've <laughs> yeah, got to figure pretty... out a way to get them to be guests. Um, but if all of a sudden James Carville, who was like the big head and guru of getting Bill Clinton elected, and and uh, Mary Matlin, who was really big in um, helping get the Bushes elected, yeah, if they can raise family. By the way, one of their children turned real conservative, and one I guess turned more liberal. Interesting, See? yeah, interesting. But you should hear them just laugh because everyone, nobody gets how the, how they don't hate each other. Yeah, because. You know, we all hate each other if you have a different view. We think. Of course. Yeah. But the reality is they're like, well, we just we just understand. Mm-hmm. We're just different. We're not here to change you or convert you. We'll, we'll always argue with you. Yeah. I'll argue with you. <laughs> but we also we're very together on the principles. Yeah. See, that's interesting. It's just how we implement the principles that change things. And so they've learned to love on a different level. They yeah. love that they share the principles, not the. That's huge. Yeah. See, that's all we need. Yeah. It's not and it's hard. interesting, I think, too, parents think that they need to understand their children. And yeah. that's really hard with the generation gap. I mean, especially right now, I even just look at my younger sister. She's 11 years old, and I really wonder about everything that she's doing <laughs> sometimes. I'm like, you know more about computers than I do. And I'm like a pretty tech-savvy yeah, millennial, yeah. but she knows way more than I do about tons of stuff. Oh, and yeah. like, she can find things on YouTube in like five seconds, and I'm always like, Isn't that amazing? It's amazing. But I just – there's already this kind of gap there. And I don't understand what she's going through in middle school. And I don't – And that gap's been there forever. I mean the idea that this is new. Exactly. It's something parents have dealt with always. Yeah. So it's not anything new. But just to see that, you don't – I don't have to understand that part Mm -hmm. of my little sister in order to love and appreciate her. I have um, a friend who is a – she's studying piano performance Mm. and she's – an absolute she's just a beautiful piano she wow. can play amazing things and it's so fun to watch her too she just yeah it's like her whole body gets into in, it, you yeah. know and she tried to explain to me once about how she always hears piano in her head and how she's always playing something and wow. how she can't stop tapping and she's like my hands will be in serious pain after i practice and it's just this really? whole life that i don't understand yeah. at all i can appreciate it yeah. but i don't understand and she told me one time that her parents just don't understand that. And while her professors absolutely laud her technique and while she's won competitions and she's played with orchestras, her parents don't really understand her oh, desire to even play the piano. See, think how sad that is. So other people appreciate it, but the one she wants yeah, most to appreciate and so, But again, I mean, they've learned to get around that, yeah. but it's something that's been hard for her and continues to be hard for her that 
her parents don't understand and they think that when she goes and practices, maybe she's angry or doesn't oh, want to yeah. be with she's them. She's antisocial. Yeah. Oh, and so they're worried so about nasty. her, but she just accepts that. Yeah. And you know what? They don't have to understand each other. When I was a teenager, I was really frustrated with my mom for a number of things. When my mom was a teenager, she was super outgoing and total flirt. (laughs) And, you know, everybody loved her. She was really popular. And that was something that as a teenager, I didn't really understand. And I had plenty of friends and I liked it, but I was also and continue to be somewhat shy. Mm -hmm. And that's always been hard for me. And at one point I was trying to confide in her that, I was really frustrated by the fact that I couldn't – it was so hard for me to go talk to people. And um, she's like, I know how you understand. I was like, no, you don't. (laughs) I totally – You totally don't know how to – and this continued for months where she'd be like, I know how you feel. I I know how you can understand No, you don't. You don't know how I feel. Yeah. It's not a line, is it? And then we hit this point where she – one time I was talking to her and she just turned to me and she said, I absolutely don't know how you feel. I don't know how it feels to See, that's huge. I don't know how it feels to be that way. And I think that she's expecting that to make me feel yeah. angry. But I basically didn't appreciate anything more than her saying that. Yeah. Was that she acknowledged that she didn't know how I felt, that she wasn't exactly in my situation. Well, and imagine, and then, and then what if she's curious? So tell me more. What do yeah, you mean by exactly. that? And, and what, then let them talk. And let you talk. I think that moment when I was a teenager has led to a really great relationship because yeah. she knows that she doesn't exactly have this feeling. And sometimes we'll see, well, sometimes I feel this way, she'll say. And I'll be like, okay, that's similar to how I feel except yeah. for this. And we were able, by acknowledging that we're completely different in that sense, we're able to kind of bridge the gap and talk to each other on a level where we explain things to each well, other. There's a, have you, and we've talked a lot about Brene Brown because um, we always want to try to get her on the show. She has a book out called The Gifts of Imperfection. Mm-hmm. But one of the things she talks about is uh, that helps because we're helping our kids create an identity. And yes. If, and so you're sitting here knowing you're different from your mom. Uh-huh. And yet – you, so you go try to and confide. feeling very imperfect because uh-huh. of it. Because, because your mom I, was a superstar. Because I wanted to be like her. That's right. Yeah. And, and then all of a sudden you go take it to her. But So one of the things Brene talks about is that we have to be people that make it safe mm-hmm. for others to come be imperfect yeah. around us. Well, and rec- by, by simply recognizing you don't know. Yeah. And I think that it was exactly what my mom did was in that moment I maybe – and that was I hard for her. Yeah. I mean, we oh, yeah. talked about it since. Right. That was really hard yeah. for her to say because she a, wanted to be there. Well, she's an amazing and mom. That and is, that, she in her mind, that was what that was the way to being the perfect mom was, yeah. was understanding. Yeah. And so it was really hard, but she opened herself up. She realized that she was imperfect. She let herself be vulnerable. It's huge. And it led to a lot more. And that kind of seeing her, that she wasn't able to understand me in that moment, you know what? That made it okay that I was shy. That's part of me. and. Well, I mean, isn't that's that funny? That's that probably all you need. Yeah. But see how much. So Brene always breaks it down into like three principles: mm-hmm. character. I mean, um, courage. So you have to have the courage. That takes courage. Your mom. It took your mom courage. Definitely. Yeah. To not know, and then compassion to care enough, mm-hmm. and then connection. So what happens is when we're when we're sitting here and we're we don't want to be known as imperfect, we yeah. put on this facade. And the facade doesn't it doesn't facilitate courage. No. It doesn't facilitate compassion. So you're sitting there, you're feeling that you're a teenager, maybe you don't understand them. You don't know how to deal with their behavior yeah. at that time. You don't know 
what on earth they're uh-huh. going through, what they're wearing. That, you don't even know even what website they're using. Yeah. I mean, like, what oh, is this? On. Yeah. Right. So you're feeling afraid by that. And so it takes a lot of courage. Yeah. I mean, that's hugely intimidating. Oh, yeah. Well, so what if all of what if all of us started owning more of our weaknesses just outwardly, like just started saying, you know what, I I don't understand you as a child, and I do get mad really easily, yeah. and and if we started owning them and we started and then, allowing failure to be the norm, and then I I think there would be more communication, I and I think there would be more understanding because of that, because if you say. To your teenager, I don't understand what you're going through, or I know that I'm really like out of date and unhip yeah, or yeah, something. I'm not cool. but, but teach me yeah. and help me be that person. Yeah. And then that would lead to a ton of great. Well, things. and imagine um, so maybe as somebody's out there listening, instead of just quickly knowing they're troubled and then trying to throw them somewhere to get fixed by someone else, maybe the first line of defense with your teen that air quotes is troubled is be more courageous with them, be more on so be more honest, be more compassionate about them and seek connection, 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 connection. The more opportunities you have to show courageously that you're not perfect and that you're screwing it up as a parent a little bit. Because you don't know how then to do they'll this. have they'll see that uh-huh. and they'll know that they it totally works. They can also say that they're imperfect and they're screwing up yeah, as a teenager. That's right, and we're just figuring all this out. None of us are perfect. We got to figure it out. But notice it can't be done in one statement. Oh no, definitely not. And no, none of us buy one statement. Everyone always says, "I mean, I'm not perfect." But anyway, so I, <laughs> I hit that grand slam, and then I <laughs> you're like, "Okay, well, great. I really struggled, but <laughs> I really no. struggled." But then after I got magna cum laude, I knew I was the bomb. <laughs> um, good stuff, Merritt. Thanks. You know, uh, you're wise beyond your years. That's what people tell me. Nobody knows this, but Merritt is actually only 14 years old. Oh, <laughs> it's a bit of an exaggeration. She's also going to be a film producer. So if anybody is looking to hire in two years, yeah, a world-acclaimed, uh, highly decorated, <laughs> award-winning, probably Academy Award-winning producer. producer. If you would like to take me under your wing, if your name is Steven Spielberg and you're out yes. there. Brother Spielberg, <laughs> I have Spielberg Saturday. Is it you know? Yeah, one, I watch Spielberg movies. Give us a call, Steven Spielberg. One eight five five chat BYU. We'll hook you up with Merritt Meekum. We're going to take a break. We're coming back uh, just to show you a little bit more about the generation gap between uh, you know parents and their kids. You won't believe what the teens uh, got for Christmas and some of the slang they're using. We're talking about some of those differences right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM one forty three. BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, we're wrapping up the show talking about uh, some of the differences between, you know, as parents and our teens. One of the differences is when Jesse, Jesse Jackson, we're now calling her, um, who's, you know, our new member of the team. She came in. Merritt and I were talking. James was listening. We were off air. <laughs> Didn't you? You and, saw that. Um, and I Jesse walks. Oh, of course. I don't miss anything. I just pretended like I didn't see it because I didn't want we to. We were being courteous. But we were talking. And then and 
Jesse leans into the microphone thinking we're all on air. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, You she never know. Well, no. you know, it's, we don't move the mic when we're no, we off don't. air. So there's, it's, it's but, convincing. Dang it. But I Jesse even like leaned in and then you put on your microphone voice. Hey. You know, I have to I'm clarify that. No, I don't have one of those. Yes, I have to say, our on air light is currently not working and so oh it's not yeah, yeah so she we have no way of knowing that's why people oh, keep man, walking that's why so i keep walking in did you notice what did you notice too i did notice oh, i thought I it was funny i, I didn't <laughs> even <laughs> didn't say anything until we're on until air we're on so that's I, I, noticed, I also noticed that you then told james <laughs> that you did don't, it don't tell it and i heard and she's whispering and i'm hearing the whole conversation <laughs> Great, Matt. I'm so glad I'm on your show, so I'm not embarrassed in front of. Well, get used all to it. This is this is the new show. You can be our new Skyboy. Oh, great! No, doing the awkward thing. Every time I say Skyboy, I've got to look at his little picture there. And you shed a single tear. Oh, that wasn't Rolls a tear. That was just that was allergies. I have conjunctivitis. <laughs> Pink eye. Um, okay. Okay. Gifts. So I bought a lot of gifts for my kids. The funny thing about buying gifts for teenagers. There, you don't buy them very many. You no, buy them one like really one. expensive thing. Yeah, my mom this Christmas was like really sad. My two teenage younger siblings and me and my older brother who yeah. were in college and traveling and so, you know yeah. So she's like, there aren't as many presents under the tree, and she was super stressed. <laughs> about it. Like, there, of course there aren't. Relax, mom. I know my brother's moving to China. He yeah. can't take anything no. that's bigger than a gift card. So right. so give him a gift stuck. card. <laughs> wonder if kids would notice you know if, yeah if it really would make because my, oh, my, my parents always tell me too you, you know like because of the wedding they're like don't expect a lot or you know and i'm like <laughs> i probably wouldn't have yeah, yeah. Like, either I way know that. I but know then they point it out and then i feel like i'm not getting as much as i was. thanks mom <laughs> but so here's an interesting thing i was doing some research today on like what do teens like and i thought okay what did they get for christmas what yeah. did they get for birthdays and uh, I thought it wouldn't be too different from what, like, I would think of, but it's pretty insanely different. Is it different? Yeah. It's so way you're, different. So you're basically so saying you're not saying a Saying you're like 14, 15-year-old, yeah. what do they want for Christmas? They want something different Completely than different. you want yes. at 28 <laughs> Now you're going too far the other okay, way. sorry. Yeah. I swung back. Somewhere between 14 and 28. Yeah, that is where Somewhere in there is. is where you fall. <laughs> so uh, number one was smartphones. Yeah. Not a huge surprise. No, you've no. got a you you got a smartphone for Christmas. I did get a smartphone for Christmas. So you're like a I teenager. feel like a teenager would probably know how to use you it. You even got the same color as the teens would get with polka dots on it. It's yellow. Yeah, yeah it's cute. It's see, I get I'm girly that way. I liked the fact that it was no, yellow. it's gorgeous. Do you have a smartphone okay. too? Yeah, I do. Okay, well, I'm the only one. You know what? You have one, don't you? Well, yeah, I do. Two I, weeks I have, ago, I have two. okay, cool. Two weeks ago, I was also loser. in the. In my, in fact, my phone was so awful that it didn't get reception. In any building, basically. Oh, that's, yeah. But yeah, yours, so we wouldn't even call really a phone. No, it was more of a brick that I was, just carried around. Yeah, it was me. an archaic brick. I'm just surprised that your new phone isn't gray or black. What's up with that? I know. <laughs> you had an emo. She's starting to wear to color now. Well, see, my mom did buy it for me, so it's like a passive aggressive. <laughs> that's it. She's, she's sneaking it in. No, and I'm wearing green today, so it I feel looks kind good. of legit. And yellow, yeah. so it matches. There you go. Now, um, the second gift was wireless portable speakers. I know, that's a big deal now. I I didn't even. Oh, yeah. What? They're hot. That I do have and I love. Really? That's like in the shower. You can thing. turn it up way loud yeah. and you Okay, see, that sounds fun. Maybe I need to look into yeah, this. Yeah, I'd look into that. That might be a birthday present for you. Okay, yeah. 
I was totally, I didn't even know, but they look like disco, they can look like disco oh, balls. Yeah. They can be oh, they're like hot. They're amazing. palm size. So you can like stick it in your mm-hmm. backpack while you're walking yeah. around or go and jogging I, with I have it. one that's like an industrial strength one that we just sent to my son in Mexico. Wow. So it could take a bullet. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> so if you're getting shot at, yeah. you can use no your No better wireless. place to send one of that's those. Right. That's exactly right. Okay. Uh, <laughs> another true. item would be vintage or Polaroid cameras. Oh, what? my yeah. heavens. That is crazy. The hipster movement might be going too far. But yes, Polaroid cameras. But why? Because you but can actually- But they're not like super big. They look like small digital cameras. Well, like no, but you can... can take a digital picture and then make it look Polaroid. And you could probably you even have it go- <laughs> I thought it'd be cool to have those at my wedding. But okay. you know, like- Yeah. That'd be crazy. But, yeah. And where would <laughs> you get it? Because cool. it looks like themed and cool. You wouldn't just like- Go around, like I don't know. I just that's old school. Yeah, that's old school. But that's interesting. Yeah. See, but that's see, they're going back. Yeah. Back is the new new. It's those darn hipsters. Yeah, I know. Speaking of hipsters, another item that seemed to be popping up a lot was this. All kind of goes together, but they're like three items. Would be funny sweaters, funny socks. Yeah, what's with that? Or anything with a fox on it. Aww. Really? Yes, that was actually listed in the in a gift guide. That Anything I was with a fox on was it. things with foxes, like so a fox sweater or a fox socks. Is that because the fox combine. song? What does a fox say? I I think yes. so. It seemed yeah, to be around before would, then yeah. too. I'm gonna blame Wes Anderson. He's like the leader of the hipster I, unintentionally. The film director Wes Anderson. Well, okay, hold on. And we've only got a few <laughs> seconds, but hipster because. In my age, hipster means something totally different. No. It means it's time you to get a new hip. (laughs) So what does hipster – the hipsters are just the – they're the retro. They're kind of going back. Retro, green, indie. Kind of preppy-ish looking. They're cool because they like things before they're cool. They're like the – Or after they're cool. Yeah, exactly. They (laughs) like things that aren't cool, which is what makes them cool. Yeah. Weird. It's complicated. Welcome to the century. Who tells you if you're a hipster? Um, so, because if you're if you're if you're doing know. things before they're even cool, I've been called a hipster. Oh, really? Yeah. I bet I'm hipster. People kind of throw that <laughs> I know. term around. I just as a compliment. Yeah. It's yeah. just like oh, you're, you're hipster. hipster. Actually, Matt is the least yeah Matt. thing <laughs> from hipster. <laughs> Not to be rude, but like like well, natural that was rude. stuff. Okay. That was rude. Okay. Well, I guess we're done. I guess I guess that's well, the show. Let's just wrap up the show with that offensive remark <laughs> from one of our troubled teens. <laughs> Thanks, Jess. That was great. You're hmm, the doctor. <laughs> Put down the doctor and the host of the show. Too bad you won't be on next time. Um, anyway. <laughs> it's back. Jesse back. Jackson, you'll be back. So we're done, folks. That's it. Go love your kids. They just need you to know that you love them. You're there for them. You're there unconditionally. Gain some influence with them. Get in their hearts. Find out uh, what you can do to love them and serve them even more. Thanks for joining us. We will be back tomorrow with another topic full of solutions to uh, take you and yours to a higher level, to a better life. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.